G'day, I'm Joe. And I'm Kath, and we're bringing you today's second Bible reading, which is from John chapter 14, verses 15 to 31. So, from verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realise that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Well, we are studying the Gospel of John, and the passage we're looking at today, it's so precious, so rich, but it will stretch our minds a fair bit. So grab your Bibles, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we consider this part of your Scriptures, help us to see how wonderful and glorious it is that we can have fellowship with you, our Father in Heaven, by the Spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what is your relationship with God like? And how do you know you have a relationship with God? You see, what is unique about the God of the Bible is that He is a relational God and that He desires to have a relationship with us and us with Him. Now, you may not realize this, but that is unique with the God of the Bible. You see, in the Eastern religions, for example, the gods are to be feared. Otherwise, bad luck will come upon you. They don't want a relationship with you. And the same can be said with many of the ancient religions. Offer your sacrifices, do your religious duties. Otherwise, watch your back. 
And so the concept that God is someone who is relational and we can relate to, that should just boggle our minds. Why would God even care? But in this passage, we see how much God cares. And in this passage, we get an insight into the mystery of God himself. There is God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, but one God. And so it is a passage that will stretch our minds a fair bit, but it is a passage that will help us see the relationship that we can have with God now. And so let me ask you again, what is your relationship with God like? Is it real and genuine and deep and intimate, or is it non-existent? Well, here in this passage, Jesus puts it as plainly as possible at the beginning. You want to have a relationship with God. Well, we relate to God by giving ourselves to him. And one of the clear signs we have a relationship with God is that we love him and we obey him. Now, if we dismiss God and, and we show no concern about God at all, there's no relationship there. And in a sense, that's true with any human relationship. If I have no love for my wife and she has no love for me, then our, our relationship is a fraud. And that's why Jesus says here in this passage, for you to re rightly relate to him, it means that we are to love him and obey him. It's as simple and plain as that. Look at verse 15 with me. In verse 15, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And we see that repeated throughout this passage. Look at verse 21 now. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. You see what that is saying? If our heart is cold towards God, if I don't want to know him or have anything to do with him, then there's no relationship there with God. But just like what Jesus said here, and in another place he says, knock and the door will be opened. If we want to know Jesus, he will make himself known. If we don't, the door will remain shut. And that's why Jesus goes on to say now a bit further down, look at verse 24. He goes on to say, he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. And so what Jesus is saying there is that to listen to Jesus is to listen to God. To obey Jesus is to obey God. Uh, we, we can't get that wrong. But that is the insight into the unity between God the Father and God the Son. Now perhaps here at this point, it, it's cause for us to just take a moment and to do a little self-reflection. What is your relationship with God like? Because to have a relationship with him means we give ourselves to him. And Jesus puts it as plainly as he can possibly put it. If you are to have a relationship with him, the science of that is to love him and to obey him. You see, we don't just do it when it's convenient. And so to love and obey him means even when it seems convenient to, to lie, for example. And there are always many opportunities to lie. Instead, what do we do? We tell the truth. Or when it's easier to be selfish because that's just the way of the world. What do we do instead if we are to love Jesus? We be selfless. 
or when the temptation is there to be lustful with our thoughts, in our hearts, with our eyes, what do we do instead if we are to love Jesus? Well, we be pure. Or when it seems so natural just to live for myself, that's, that's just natural, it seems natural. But what do I do if I love Jesus and obey him? I live for him. I give myself to him. You see, when we do that, I'm taking Jesus seriously and I'm taking God seriously. We relate to God by offering, by giving ourselves to him in love and obedience. But of course, like any relationship, it's not just one way. It's in fact always God who has taken the first steps. It is always God who's taken the initiative to love us first. We have to remember that. You see, our love for God is only in response to his love for us first. And God relates to us by giving himself to us. And he's shown that ultimately already. In the death of his son Jesus Christ on the cross, You see, there's no greater display of love than God the Son dying to save the very people he made. But now we read here how God will give himself. And how do we know God wants a relationship with us? Well, we see it here. And what what do we see? Well, this is where we get into the complexity of God himself. And for many Christians... He is the neglected person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Jesus spends much time in this passage speaking about the Holy Spirit. You see, God gives himself by giving his Holy Spirit to us. And Jesus describes the Holy Spirit in this passage as as firstly the comforter, secondly the spirit of truth, and thirdly he is the one who dwells in believers. Now, some of you listening might be thinking, this sounds all a bit too strange, so hard to understand. But you see, our understanding of God comes from how God has revealed himself to us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it will be merely just our imagination of God. And we can't expect God to be simple. We can't expect God to be just something we can imagine up. Otherwise, that would be God. The God of the Bible is Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, three in one, one in three. And so how does God show his relationship with us? Well, he gives us his spirit. Now, it's worth remembering the context. Jesus was here speaking to his disciples, and he was telling them that he was going to leave them, he was going to die, and he was going to return to the Father. Now, no doubt, the disciples, they would have been troubled. They didn't want their Lord to leave them. And so Jesus reassures them. He will send them another comforter, just as he was their comforter while he was with them. And the word we see here is the word paraclete. It means the one who comes alongside, the one who comes along parallel to help, to strengthen, to counsel, to comfort. And so have a look at verse 16 with me. Verse 16, and I'll ask the Father, that is, God the Son, asking God the Father, and he'll give you another counsellor, that is, the paraclete, God the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. And so how can we know that God wants a relationship with us? Well, he has given us his Holy Spirit. Now, 
we can know this not only objectively, theologically, the Bible tells us so, Jesus says so. No, no, not just objectively, but also subjectively, that is, in our experiences. Those of us who are believers, we look back on our life and we see God's Spirit was working in our hearts, convicting us, changing us. Which is why, why those who do believe in Jesus can speak with absolute confidence. I really do know God's presence with me at the moment. I know God's peace. I experience it and, and I feel God's care. It's not just objective, you see. It is the experience of God in our lives. And so a young man, when he lost his job, he was able to say to me, I know God will provide. I'm not so concerned or worried. I mean, is that not the work of the Holy Spirit in him? Or an older lady, I remember her going, before going to major surgery, she said to me, I feel the comfort of God. Is that not the work of the Holy Spirit? Or even in the midst of sorrow and bereavement, one said to me, I've got the peace of God. And is that not the work of the Holy Spirit? He said, Jesus promises here to his disciples, he will ask his father to send a comforter. And this comforter is also called here the spirit of truth. That is the one who, who will illuminate our minds to see and understand what God teaches in scripture. You see, when we read the Bible, it's not merely an intellectual exercise. In fact, not an intellectual exercise at all. It is a spiritual one because it is engaging with God and his word. And we need God's spirit to help us understand it. Like, how am I meant to understand the majesty and the glory of God and his powers in creation? How am I meant to understand his cosmic plans and purposes centered upon his son Jesus Christ? How am I meant to understand the plans he has for salvation and judgment? Or how am I meant to understand and believe the, the dignity of human beings being made in the image of God and, and the worth that is inherent in us, that we're not like the animals? You see, I can read about it in Scripture, but it is the Holy Spirit it is the Spirit of God who helps me understand it and see that it is true. You see, the Spirit of truth is also the one who, who helps us see our own depravity, the depravity of my own sins, the one who exposes my sins, the one who sort of pricks at my conscience, which means feelings of guilt are not always bad. See, when I've done something wrong, and I know I've done something wrong, and I feel terrible about it. You see, it is the Spirit of God convicting me of my sins, exposing me, helping me see, I need to be forgiven, I need to do something about it. And the Spirit of truth we see here is the one who will help us see the world through the eyes of God. This world is not all as it seems to be, and it's not all there is. There is a heaven to long for. There is a, a love to experience. There is a justice that will be final. And there is this world which is passing away and will be replaced. And so what this means then is that you, you could be an extremely intelligent person, but yet have no grasp of the truth and of reality not see the world God's way or not see each other God's way or not even seeing ourselves God's way 
or not even seeing God at all. And that's why we read here we need the spirit of truth. Look at verse 17 now with me. Verse 17. The counsellor is also the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. You see, that's the promise, the spirit of truth, the same spirit. And that's why Jesus later on goes on to say, along with being the comforter, the role of the Holy Spirit is to be the teacher, to point us to Jesus, to remind us of Jesus and his teachings. And so what that means then is that it would be wrong to understand the role of the Spirit as distinct and different from the teachings of Jesus. After all, the Word of God is inspired by the Spirit of God. You see, the Word of God does not teach one thing and then the Spirit of God goes off and does his own thing. No, they are aligned. And so look at verse 26 with me now. Jesus said, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, that is, in my authority and to act in my place, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. And so it's important to remember that the Holy Spirit is self-effacing. He doesn't draw attention to himself or speak of himself. He takes the things of Jesus and shows them to the believer and applies it to the believer's heart. You see, he is the counselor, the comforter. He is the teacher, the spirit of truth. And so, how do I know I've got a relationship with God? Well, he is with me. In fact, he is in me. God has given himself. And then that's what we go on to read of. You see, God dwells in those of us who believe by his spirit. I mean, that's just an, an extraordinary idea. How can almighty God, the one who measures the waters in the hollow of his hands, who marks off the heavens by the breath of his hands, how can such a God dwell in any person by his spirit? That is the answer. You see, God dwells in us by his spirit. And so you see here, when the disciples were troubled because Jesus was going to leave them and, and die, Jesus comforted them by saying, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. But you see, physically, Jesus was, was going to leave them. He was, he was going to die and ascend back up into heaven. He's not going to be with them physically. But yet he was able to say, look at verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That is, Jesus will come by the Holy Spirit. So that they will never ever be God forsaken. And, and so when you read of, of Christians who, who have been imprisoned because of their faith. You read stories of, of John Bunyan or Wichon Ruhrenbrand or Dietrich Bonhoeffer or, or the thousands and thousands of others who have been imprisoned. Even alone in a cell, a Christian is never ever alone. For God is with them by his spirit. And so look at verse 20. On that day, you'll realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. 
And then look at verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. You see, God the Father and God the Son make their home in us by God the Spirit. God is giving himself to us. It is how intimate our relationship with God can be. It's no wonder why the Apostle Paul would speak of the body of Christians as the temple of the living God in 1 Corinthians. You see, you don't use your body to sin because it is the temple of the living God. And so how do I know with absolute certainty that I have a relationship with God? That that God is my Father in heaven. That Jesus is my Savior, my Lord, my older brother. That Heaven is my home. How do I know that with absolute certainty? That my sins are forgiven. That my guilt has been removed. That I am eternally loved. It is because of the Spirit of God who dwells in me. I know that objectively, theologically, but I also know it subjectively in my experiences and in my heart. That is the relationship we can have with God. He gives himself to us. And so if I return to my question at the beginning, what is your relationship with God like? You see, remember, God here, he, he, he teaches us, Jesus shows us, God gives himself to us. And if he did that, what more can we ask God of? Jesus who, who died and came back to resurrection life, and now the Holy Spirit who dwells in us who believe. What more can we ask for? But, but do you know how, how we're meant to think about that and how that helps us now? Well, at the very least, it prevents any one of us who claims to be a Christian, it prevents any one of us from self-pity and self-loathing. You know, I can never say, no one cares for me. Because God does. And he's given his spirit to prove it as the down payment, as the deposit of eternity of the kingdom of God and so even if not one soul cares for me God does and that's why Jesus can say these are not empty words look at verse 27 Jesus promised peace I leave with you and my peace I give you I do not give you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid and so whatever happens in life, because of our relationship with God, good day, bad day, mountaintop experiences, the deepest, darkest valley, worries, anxiety, trouble, fear, disappointments, I know that God is always with me. That lies at the center of Christian hope and experience. But you see, just as God has given himself to us, we can't forget how this passage began. We are to give ourselves to God in love and obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, then you will obey my commandments. And so that, at the very least, is at least a test of how our relationship with God is going. You see, Jesus, he bled for me and he bled for you. Jesus died for me and he died for you. He laid down his life for us. What can we withhold from our Saviour? 
And so let these be the questions you reflect on as you reflect on your relationship with God. Do I strive? Do I work hard on my humility, on my patience, on my gentleness, self-control, my joy, my peace, my purity, my service, my self-sacrifice, my love for those who even make life difficult for me? Is my character and behavior one that brings honor and glory to God? And am I spending precious time with God in prayer and devotion? It's a test, isn't it? Do I really love Jesus with my life, the one who gave his life for me? Do I give myself to him? Are they just words? And so what is your relationship with God like? Because it's meant to be intimate, comforting, joyful as we await the return of Jesus. It is fellowship with God that we can have now and forevermore. Let's pray.